Welcome to the COSEC Show. Join the COSEC Qatari Securities team as they share their insights on the Australian share market, discussing some of their best performing companies, macroeconomic news from offshore, including local domestic news, foreign exchange, as well as commodities. If you have any questions regarding the share market, our phone lines are open. You can dial in on 1300 854 151 or alternatively, email info at cosec.com.au. Exclusively on this show, each guest will reveal their hottest stock pick. For more information on any of the topics discussed, go to cosec.com.au. The information featured in this program is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Guests appearing on the program may own or have commercial arrangements with some of the companies mentioned. Before making any investment insurance or financial planning decisions, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Good evening, investors. My name is Will Brownlee, and welcome to the COSEC Show, where we discuss all things relevant in the market this week. Macroeconomic data, currencies and commodities, top performance of the week that was, and of course, our hottest stock picks for the week to come. Before I go any further, please allow me to introduce you my investment panel, resident experts in the market. Back again, joining us, the ever-slick Mr. Dennis Sahenovic. Welcome, good sir. Good to be back. Is there a doctor in the house? Our doctor of mathematics himself, Dr. Adam Sherakovsky. And of course, joining me in the hot seat, our hot seat opposite me is the ever mystic Mr. Louis Mossman. Gentlemen, welcome. How are we today? Good, good. Yeah, very, very well. Good. The second short week in Sydney. And, uh, third long short third, week in a, a row. Third, third right. long short week in a row. And our market has seen a little bit of buoyancy today after what was a relatively distressful. We're still recovering from that volatile week, aren't we? It was lots of ups and downs, mostly downs, to be perfectly honest, though. But in all seriousness, we are faring quite a bit better than the US. I know I was looking at the US charts versus our charts, and uh, mate, that uh, that NASDAQ chart is looking particularly uh, sickening at the moment. They're definitely driving things, the NASDAQ's had a hard, not only week this week, but a hard few months and year to date as well, it's also significantly down. And at this point, you'd hard to see that pain ending, and it looks like it's going to continue further. And I think one of the big things that's really sort of been driving this is the uh, the Australian inflation t- figures. And I know that's something that you've been keeping quite a close eye on, Mr. Mossman. So I uh, care to give us your thoughts on uh, where we're sort of headed with that. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, we all expected inflation uh, in Australia to continue ratcheting higher, but no one expected 5.1% was the figure that we got this week. So just just for, for, for people who are maybe not as clued up as uh, yourself, investment professionals, inflation is how expensive things are getting prior to the, um, the year before. Exactly. So what this, what this figure is saying is that everything, milk, cheese, bread, petrol, all of that, is getting 5.1% more expensive this year or it is going to be in the year to come. Now, for people, that's concerning because if you've got a... If your salary is only going up 4% and you're actually making less money this year than next, is that, is that where we're sort of getting at with that? Exactly right. So we, I say inflation 5.1%. So the average basket of goods and services in the Australian economy consumed by the average household is up 5.1%. However, we do look at wage growth and that's what we've been talking about week after week. And that's what's holding back the RBA from raising rates right now. Mm-hmm. It's only at 2.3%. So far outstripping the average increase in goods and services. So everything's getting 5% more expensive and the average wage is only going up about 2%. Exactly right. So I'll bring up a chart now of those inflation figures. And as you can see, we're actually hitting in highs that we haven't seen in two decades. And that was when they in, in there included the 10% tax of goods and services, GST. 
And that's quite a long period to look at. And we look at the momentum as well that we've got right now. It doesn't look like we're slowing down. And off the back of that, a lot of major institutions have actually brought forward their expectations for the Reserve Bank of Australia to raise rates. AMP think they're going to raise rates by 0.4% to 0.5% next week. So that's Tuesday. Following that, we had Barclays and RBC. They also said rates are going to be raised in May. Combank still says June, but it looks at this point we've got a rate raise coming very, very soon. And in my opinion, there will be one next week. It might only be a small one, maybe 15 basis points to a quarter of a percent. But as I said, it is coming very What's soon. What's a normal a rate hike, roughly, what would you say? Is it a normally a half or a quarter? Or, or what is a normal sort of basis point rate hike? Yeah, it's, it's actually quite difficult to say. I suppose it's very dependent on the situation that you're in. But in a period like we are right now, there is a hurry to get them higher. So the most recent one by the Reserve Bank, so the Fed, was 0.25. But they're going to be looking at 50 basis points. And, you know, we've seen hiking cycles in the past where they've raised them at 1% at the time, oh. up or down. At the, you know, reserves banks don't mm. want to shock the economy too much, uh, but they will be looking to go soon. And I just want to make one final comment on this whole raising rates. Everyone is always hearing we're raising interest rates and people don't like the sound of that, but I don't think people really fully understand what that actually means and how they do it. So I just thought I'd say the central bank has two means of raising interest rates. They've got the cash rate and they've got quantitative tightening. Now, over the last two years, the reserve bank's been quantitative easing which means that they're buying a lot of bonds mm-hmm. in the open market, putting a downward pressure on yields. Investors then low look for yields somewhere else, pushing up those prices and pushing down those yields. So we have an economy with lower interest rates. Now the opposite's happening, quantitative tightening. So they're selling a lot of bonds, mm-hmm. pushing the price of bonds lower and the yields higher. So all the debt instruments within the economy, so general interest rates on mortgages, credit cards, all sorts of loans, they're slowly following those higher because the central bank is selling their bonds on their balance sheet, their QT. And then as well, they've got the central cash rate, which is where they borrow and lend money with major institutions in the overnight money market. And that's the cost of money to major institutions going higher. What do they do? They pass it on to consumers. So all the loans they give out, mortgages and credit cards, follow as well. And uh, people always say that uh, raising interest rates is a bad thing, but it's not necessarily, it's not a bad thing, it's a sign of a healthy economy, unless I'm very much mistaken. Yeah. So it means things are doing well in retrospect, and of course, if you're in the stock market as we are, and this whole show is about the stock market as well, I suppose, then I suppose there should be a little bit of, I suppose, optimism gleaned by that, that a business, which is all, they, the economy is made up of businesses, the economy is doing well, that means businesses are doing well, share prices could respond accordingly, we could see that moving in a positive direction. So it's a, it's not all doom and gloom when you think about it like that. Yeah, you are correct. Uh, the only issue is the difference between um, issue is the inflation and wages. And we see inflation pushing higher. And in the US, we had our first reading of negative GDP growth. So mm-hmm. we're seeing negative growth and higher rates, which is we call stagflation. And that is of a concern to investors. So in Australia, not as much. In the US, inflation 8% and negative GDP growth. But as I said, important meeting next Tuesday, 2.30. I'm sure everyone will have their eyes on the telly. Everybody will be tuning in. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Mr. Mossman. Okay, let's go over to Dr. Adam Shedikowski because that's one thing that's been affecting the market. But there's been another thing that's really been, I suppose, throwing our market around. And that is a relatively weak lead-in from the US. The US has not been doing particularly well in their sessions. And of course, that's been filtering through into our own sort of pessimism and selling pressure. But one sector, or not sector, but one, yeah, so it's one sector over in the US that's really been faring badly is the FANG stock. So that's uh, 
you know, a lot of the big tech names. Now, it's something you've been looking at, Doctor. Yeah, so, absolutely. Care to, yeah. care to explain a little bit, starting off with what the FANG is? Well, the FANG consists of the major companies, so that is uh, Facebook or now Meta, Apple, Alphabet and Amazon and Netflix as well. So, uh, and these are the major companies. And Google as well. Yeah, Google. Netflix and Google, yeah. yeah. Alphabet or Google, same thing. Yep. So, basically, if you add all of those together, they actually are almost the majority of, of the entire index in, in US. So, it's very, very, very important indicators. And when you see how they move, it's, it can also really indicate how the markets in US are moving all to, can be potentially moving all together, or at least in, in the more of the IT sector. So, uh, let me actually f- show you a chart. So, this is uh, all of the major companies that were making announcement uh, this week. And as you can see, really, the four of the major uh, companies from FANG actually were providing uh, quarterly announcements of revenue earnings. So I just wanted to actually mention some of the numbers because they really reflect on the situation and why perhaps some of the, um, uh, why we are seeing a little bit of a struggle. So let me just take one at a time. So first we had Google on Tuesday. So Google uh, actually retracted 5% this week. And um, in terms of revenues, they're at 68 billion. And that was in line in only just in line with expectations. So 0.2% 0.2% higher. Mm. So uh, usually Google is much better as like exceeding expectations. They did not do that this year. And also in terms of earnings, that was even worse because it was almost 4% b- below expectations. So it was certainly a, a bit of a disappointment there. And we, and that is certainly reflecting, I mean, they have been mentioning a couple of things, but uh, there are a lot of le- legislation and now they're banning Russia, for example, from advertising. There are lo- a couple of things uh, among just happening, making it a little bit more difficult for Google Business to operate altogether. And also iCloud is not performing as well as expected. And but maybe most concerning, the YouTube ad revenue uh, really fell short of the expectations. And I think that was one of the things that pulled down um, Google or Alphabet. So the next one was um, Wednesday. That was Meta or Facebook. And that one actually surprised. So even though the reading were a little bit mixed, so Earnings were positive, but revenue was not when you, when you compare to expectation. However, the key number, that was actually daily users because the last quarter, the December quarter, we saw the number falling for the first time in a very long time and now it came back up. So not a lot up, but nevertheless, it is up again. Positive. It's tra- trading up. So that the, the market somehow reacted very positively and for um, today was up almost 18%. So 76% just on, on those news. So very positive for uh, Meta. So then Thursday, we had Amazon. So uh, that one re- uh, actually attracted 2% after hours. Uh, so I, I guess a couple of hours ago. And um, that was, they actually beat all of, ex- all, of the, all of the major indices. So revenue, beat expectations, earning, beat expectations, but just slightly. And again, Apple is, is generally beating the higher margin and at the same time they were uh, they were announcing issues in China could come so a little bit of a mixture there so even though the numbers were good for the last quarter uh, the expectations for the coming quarter is not as good so that one somehow perhaps push the price down finally we have Amazon so that is the biggest player when we, tr- when we look at the revenue revenue at 116 billion for mm-hmm. that company so a huge number and that one retracted actually the most after hours so now down nine percent and uh, so there are a lot of things so is happening. that probably why the US futures have been steadily trading negative over our session exactly so that is one of the key points i would say and here it's really easy to actually point to a reason what is happening here this we saw the first quarter we had where they have a negative earnings Mm. uh, since uh, last four years so that was somehow very negative news 
Jeff Bezos, you need to sort everything mm. out by the sounds of it. Let's go over to another billionaire, okay, that we're going to be talking about today, and that is Elon Musk, and I think uh, the ever slick Mr. Dennis Hinovic, you sound like you might know a little bit about that, because uh, he's obviously gone and bought um, he's gone and bought Twitter. Twitter, exactly right. Okay, and talk us through that. What's the logic behind that, and, and what, you, what is your sort of postulations about what's going to be happening there? Yeah, so obviously big news for the world's richest man, Elon Musk, coming and taking over Twitter. Uh, obviously in that tech space, quite an interesting move for him, something he hasn't really done before, uh, especially in that social media space. But uh, I think it must have been something on his mind for some time now. If we recall a few months ago, he offloaded a large portion of his Tesla shares. Uh, so obviously he was up to something and had a clear indication that he wanted to make a bit of a move. So initially a lot of the executives at Twitter opposed the takeover. Uh, however, with the offer that they put on the table, I think it was really hard to say premium, no. Yeah, right? 38%. Yeah, exactly premium. right. So some of the details about the deal are he purchased Twitter outright for $44 billion US dollars. Uh, so they're taking the company completely private. And the deal was agreed at $54.20, and that's US per share, uh, which, as you said, is a 38% premium from market price, and that's on close on the April 1st. Uh, so Morgan Stanley were also appointed to raise capital, uh, for the deal, they helped secure $25.5 billion US dollars in funding, and that included $12.5 billion in loans, which are using Mu- uh, Musk's Tesla stock as collateral. Now, a lot of people ask, them, ask, them, ask themselves why he's making this move, and uh, what he said, he was aiming to provide society with a platform that enables uh, free speech uh, so that everyone can say whatever they want as long as it's within the boundaries of the law, and also a platform where the algorithm algorithm is publicized uh, so that people can make suggestions and contribute uh, to the back end of how Twitter works and also improve and decentralize the overall user experience. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, well, I was just going to add there, one of, one of the key things that I think a, little, a lot of people are poking at is the fact that he's going to take it private to increase free speech. So he's taking it out of the hands of the entire shareholders yeah. and the people and putting it in his own hands. So he has made the distinction that that free speech is going to be within the law. But again, it's something that is often very difficult to define. And that's why Facebook, Twitter, and a lot of these social media platforms are having the issue in the first place. So I think that'll be a continued issue that he does have. Of course, the company's private now. The only shareholder he has to tend to is himself. So uh, I, I suppose he is calling the shots now. And I don't think Twitter's going to be majorly impacted when it comes to total users at this point. I think there's some you know really far left-leaning political people that hate Elon Musk cause just because he's rich and they've left the platform. Otherwise, I think it's uh, won't have too much of an impact on the company. Great section, team. So we've got inflation, having a quick chat about the Fang stocks, and, of course, our good friend, Mr. Elon Musk. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break. If you have any questions for our panel, please feel free to take a video and email it through to info at cosec.com.au. Alternatively, dial one 854 one five one. Now, everyone that does will receive a copy of our book, Stock Market Success, Retailing and Dimmicks for thirty nine ninety five. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick break and when we get back, we're going to be looking at your currency and commodity overview. How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency, 
Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Bloom, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate Cosex stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the Cosec Investment Edge, you know what you have to do. Call Cosec now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Welcome back. Let's talk about currencies and commodities now. All things that shine, sparkle, fold and make the world go round. We're going to go straight over to the mystic Mr. Louis Mossman. Talk to us about two things. Hot of everyone's mind. One is Bitcoin and the other is gold. One's not doing great. One's not doing that great either, to be fair. Yeah, they're both, they're both yeah, pretty stagnant, stagnant over the last six months. And I thought I'd pair them together, the two hedges that people are calling hedges against inflation. Inflation's higher, but uh, neither are both of these. So I'll start with gold. Uh, and as always, we'll pair together headwinds and we'll pair together tailwinds. So the tailwinds for gold is we had that fall in US GDP figures, which is not good. We've got the Russia and UK, Ukraine conflict, which does continue. We've also got a strong dollar as well, which of course uh, can put a cap on the price of gold. So a lot of these headwinds moving things around. When it comes to tailwinds, oh, so that was tailwinds, yep. the headwinds of course are the rising interest rates. And you look at the strong interest rates and the strong US dollar and gold still holding its value. It's actually very impressive. So a lot of upgrades this week for the price of gold. In particular, we had Scotiabank. They had their average price target at $1,800 US dollars per ounce, but they've increased it to $1,900 US dollars per ounce. Versus we go to Bitcoin. Again, very little happening. I'll bring up a chart of Bitcoin and just do a bit of technical analysis uh, on it here for you. Now, as you can see, it's been uptrending now for about a six, three to six month period. And we've recently this week made a really important new low. Use it as support to bounce higher. Now, the red box, which is highlighted about one month ago, is a key level of resistance, which is both its 200-day simple moving average and an uptrending level of resistance. So right there, I've outlined the range in which Bitcoin is stuck in right now and both levels, which will be really important for it to break above or below. The red box and that current arrow, which we've just hit this week. So Bitcoin, still about $40,000. I don't see it going any higher than fifty in the short term, three to six months, uh, and gold as well. I don't think it can break 2000 US dollars per ounce. A massive double top versus 2020's high and this year's high, I think has been set. Um, so there might be good hedges against inflation at this point if you just want them to stay, go nowhere, mm. unfortunately. Absolutely. Perfect. Great analysis on that. Let's go over to oil. Uh, Dr. Adam Shedikovsky, you've been keeping a bit of an eye on what's happening with oil. Care to enlighten us with, uh, you know, what that, what's sort of going on in that space at the moment? Yes, yeah, certainly. So oil is trading about uh, $100 per barrel. So WTI is at 106 down 4% this week. And Brent is at 109 down about 2.2% this week. So broadly speaking, if you look at these numbers, they are still high. That is considered definitely high oil prices. So even though they did retract slightly this week, the big picture, I think, is like what is causing uh, potentially a higher price of oil. And one reason was already mentioned, Ukraine. But I actually wanted to focus on another reason this week and give you some numbers to back it up. So because we have been, I have been mentioning it a couple of times over the past couple of weeks, but never really given some numbers to back it up. So that is OPEC. They're always agreeing to increase production, increase production, 400,000 barrels per, uh, per day this month, and they increase the same amount next month and so on. But in 
reality, that's not what is happening. That is just their targets. Mm -hmm. So if you actually look at the numbers, if you look at the combined production increased in the last month by just 57,000 barrels per day. And most of that, so 54 of the 57 came from just one country, which was Saudi Arabia. So they have all these targets, but they're just not able to cope with it. And if you look at how much they are below their overall target, that is 1.45 million barrels per day below oh. the target. So this so is adding up all the consecutive 400,000 barrel OPEC plus increases. And that's how far they're behind to hit yeah. their targets. So how much does it really make sense to increase it by 0.4 million barrels per day when they're already 1.45 million behind? But nevertheless, I mean, that, that's the idea. Basically, they're just keeping increasing the targets as they have been throughout the last couple of years. But we re are really seeing that there is a reason for why the price of oil keeps being high. So another number is, I want to just relate it back to Russia because we have some numbers on that as well. So of this 1.45 million uh, def uh, default or being below, 0.3 million is related to Russia directly. Okay. So sanctions has simply restrained Russia uh, output in such a way that they are producing 0.3 million less barrels per day. And they're even coming out with further announcements that that will be going down further. So they are saying 17% like was a number that they will be shrinking their production in the coming, uh, coming uh, weeks because of the sanctions. So we are not really seeing things getting better for OPEC Plus. And, and that, that will, I think, keep oil price elevated or at least flat. Very good. Thank you very much, Doctor. Okay, well, let's go over now to a gentleman that's probably bigger than all three of us put together. He's clearly got no, he's clearly no stranger to a gym and clearly no stranger to pumping a bit of iron. So, Mr. Dennis, why don't you talk to us about iron ore? Yeah, not the best week for iron ore this week. We've seen it slow down a bit in momentum over the last couple of weeks. Uh, that's for different macroeconomic factors, but uh, it's dropped about 6% last week. Uh, this week. Uh, it's currently sitting around $143, and that's US per tonne. And as we can see from the chart, it's been quite range-bound over the last month, slowing down in terms of its upward momentum uh, that we saw since late last year. Uh, but a lot of this has come as a result of the current situation in China, obviously being one of the main consumers of the commodity. As we've seen, obviously the country's been under strict COVID regulations and lockdowns in recent months as they really try to enforce their zero COVID policy. So we're seeing that authorities are now enforcing full or partial lockdowns in at least 27 cities uh, across the country, which has really taken a negative effect on their economy, but also having an impact directly on iron ore as well. I think we might see iron ore stay quite range bound uh, for time to come as China really continues to battle the pandemic uh, and stay under harsh restrictions as well. Very good. So that's iron ore, that's oil, that is gold, and of course, Bitcoin. That is commodities and currencies and the events that have shaped them. Now, you're bull or a bear. Let us know. 1-300-854-151. Our phone lines are now open. But for now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to have a look at what the best and worst performers in Australia were this week.
Welcome back. Let's move on to our next section now and have a look at what the best and worst performers were this week. Were their tears shed? Who lost money? And who has Christmas come early for? We're going to go straight over to Mr. Louis Mossman. Give us your chart that you have every week. What's done well, what hasn't done well, and why? Yeah, of course. We'll bring up the chart. And uh, as I always mention, this is till Thursday evening. And what's done well, what hasn't? Well, everything hasn't done well, unfortunately. Okay. Some worse than Moving others. right along. <laughs> um, well, the worst performer of the week, nonetheless, was a negative 6.2% from the IT sector. Obviously, tech has had a massive hit in the U.S., Adam explained that quite well. Now it's down 23% year to, over the one-year period in Australia. That's a horrific-looking chart. What's the market down? Does anyone know what the market was down this week? Uh, in total, I think it was 2 and a bit percent, 2 and a bit percent. Is it not a, not uh, a good after, after the bounce we had today, made up a last two days, made yeah, a massive look, recovery. Look, yeah, because we were up 1% yesterday, 1% today, so it's about 2%. So we would have been down probably close to 4% uh, on, on Wednesday night. Yeah, so the better performers on the chart not, might have shifted into the green, we had real estate, utilities, communications, uh, and industrials. Once again, I've mentioned before, more so safer sectors we've been looking at recently. They're the better performers. And materials as well, also down a massive 4.79% yep. off the back of what Dennis just explained, which was the iron ore price. A lot of other commodities had at a weaker week as well. If we look at some major announcements, we had Fortescue Metals. They actually reported better than expected, uh, once again recording uh, record shipments and exports for the year, for the quarter, sorry. Pilbara Minerals also had their shares rise 3.4% on their announcement. That's despite them recording staffing pressures. They're one of our leading producers right now in the lithium space, uh, and they keep getting their, uh, I suppose, uh, broker calls uh, ratcheted higher, as well as the lithium price also remaining strong. Um, in Poorer news, we had Life360. It had a massive hit to its share price. And that was a bit of a market darling throughout COVID, wasn't it? Look, we're down 70% now um, from their all-time highs, dropping more than 25% in one trading session. Earlier in the year, they dropped 46% in a single trading session. So the blood continues there. Um, They continue to lose money. Their profit, their losses are widening. And unfortunately, the company's yet to find a base on a technical basis. And then finally, another loser of the week was EML Payments. Uh, they sh- those shares fell more than 38%, again, down more than 70% from their all-time highs. And another company that's had some very sharp dr- cliffs that it's jumped off this uh, this year and looks like their shares are moving lower as well. So that's the market news for the week. I also wanted to just point out Kogan because Kogan had a bad announcement today. Or was it down about 11%? Exactly right. Kogan, I mean... What and the, the interesting thing about Kogan is Kogan is is down 72%-ish from its, from its highs and it is still not even at its COVID lows yet. So not even the low that we hit through there. It's still got about 10% to go until it actually hits its COVID low. Just showing how high it went during yeah, COVID. Yeah, it was I crazy, mean, it was crazy. From the low to the high, it was 4 to $25. And the period that we're in right now is this inflationary period. Mm. COVID's still around, supply chain bottlenecks. That's exactly what uh, Kogan hasn't 
been able to manage properly. So that effect is continuing on further uh, and cost pressures are continually wiping their bottom line. When we look over the long term, there is value in Kogan at some point in the near future. Where it is, I don't know. It could fall a lot further. But they are a good business and their revenue is still growing and it's still strong and people are still moving to purchasing online. So as long as they can maintain a market leader, leadership in Australia, which they do have, as long as they can maintain that and continue to grow it, hopefully they can get these uh, cost management under control and move in some sort of positive direction, uh, no matter how high it is. Very good. Dr. Adam Shedekowski, care to give us your thoughts, maybe not on Kogan, but uh, where you're seeing some growth. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we had had Anzac Day this week, so I just thought I wanted to draw our attention to maybe that. Uh, so a lot of things happening, ceremonies, of course, to mem in memory of the soldiers that have been fighting for us. And uh, there has actually been an announcement from a Department of Defense this week that uh, they will be trying to take even better care of our soldiers uh, that are working for us at the moment. So there was an announcement of a, uh, so this is a redevelopment program. So now is the planning, uh, the plan uh, development phase is now starting. So basically that is a 30 million uh, revenue deal for a company. And um, so they will be planning what to do to improve um, a lot of things for so just me mention a couple of things so constructions of uh, new accommodation construction new training facilities upgrading of existing uh, building car parks and uh, maybe uh, you're familiar with uh, uh, Kapuka military area that's mm -hmm. also uh, one place they will be upgrading so a lot of good things happening and just reminding us that uh, certainly uh, Australia is thinking about our soldiers and they are uh, they were trying to take care of them in best possible way and after the planning phase there is more than a billion dollars put into improving uh, like uh, when the program is actually mm. put across so a lot of money will be going into there and uh, if you want a ticker code for that so that is a DOW uh, Downer was the one that uh, won uh, the contract for that Okay, so big big win for Downer, and they're going to be basically having government funding to support uh, veterans and, and uh, our defence force. Well, very much very, so. very good, and that's very timely with Anzac Day, lest we forget. Let's go straight over to Ever Slickman's to Dennis Ahenover, because you're going to be talking to us a little bit about coal stocks, because we are yep. very aware that coal stocks has been moving in a, in a very, very positive direction very, very quickly. Now, it was a, a slightly, pardon the pun, dirty sort of topic before... Mm. Um, but Dusty, now it seems to have come out of that and really moved into a positive direction. Care to shed your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely right. Coal stock's doing extremely well in recent weeks and months. Uh, it's mainly due to the energy shortages that we've seen affecting the world at the moment. And it's really sent the price of coal to skyrocket, essentially benefiting coal producers, obviously being the underlying commodity uh, that they have. So three of the f seven top performers on the ASX 300 year-to-date are coal companies, uh, namely Whitehaven Coal, uh, Coronado Global Resources and also New Hope Corporation. So Whitehaven Coal's up 88.5% year to date. Uh, Coronado's up 86% and New Hope Corporation 57.5%. So, so, not, so much co uh, not so much coal, more of a diamond stock, we'd say. <laughs> yeah. Because you can press... Because it's put being put under so much pressure. Pressure, because you can, you, you can... Yeah, see? Oh, darn. Yeah, we continue. <laughs> like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Obviously, huge numbers there. And I think it really demonstrates how, as the world tries to move to more sustainable methods of energy production. It really shows how the current, current energy crisis shows our dependence on coal and oil uh, included, at least for the short to medium term, until renewables come more, more reliable and efficient as well. So a lot of the major institutions as a result, including Goldman Sachs, have upgraded their forecasts uh, for thermal and uh, coal uh, So as a result, and indicating that we could see further upside for coal producers this year. So 
uh, definitely an interesting space to monitor at the moment. I think coal uh, could do quite well for the rest of the year. Very good. Very, very interesting. Thank you very much for that analysis, gentlemen. So that's the best performers for the week. Now, do you have a new sector that you've been watching for a while? Is it time to buy, sell, or maybe even average in? Why not send us a message and we can ask our panel. In the meantime, let's take a short break and we're going to be back with the final section of the show. How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Bloom, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate Cosec stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the Cosec investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call Cosec now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Welcome back. Now, do you have a stock that you think is looking good? Do you think you could have found the next big thing? Why not take a video and email it to info at cosec.com.au or even send us a text at 042297 2897. Tell us what the stock is and tell us why you like it. What we're going to do is track it over the week. Now, the person that tips the best performing stock will receive their very own gold-plated Kadari bull and bear cufflinks. What we're going to do to get things started is we're going to have a look at what our investment panel is looking at for the week to come. So this is this week's Hot Opportunity. So this is what investors are really looking for. Now, we know what oil and the dollar has done this week. We know what the top performers for the week were. Now, let's find out what our panel is looking at for the week to come. And we're going to start off with Dr. Adam Shadokowski. What are you looking at this week and why do you like it so much for the week to come? Well, so actually, Dennis already mentioned this company, Saratis New Hope Corporation. Uh, so you stole it off him. Um, <laughs> well, a little it's bit perhaps. <laughs> it is, it is. So uh, that is Tigger called NHC. And so basically, it's an Australian public company involved in exploration, development, production, and processing of coal, oil, and gas. Uh, majority potentially in coal there. So in terms of macro use, uh, we have already talked a lot about it. Uh, it's very clear that coal is very important at the moment, and uh, certainly that is not... Uh, and there is no sign that it was changing anytime soon. So, uh, however, I would uh, also mention an interesting fact uh, that I uh, came across as looking at companies. And for this particular company, uh, there was a battle of 14 years about a particular area. So this is the New Auckland uh, mine uh, where new, uh, so it is wholly owned by a New Hope uh, Corporation and they wanted to expand it because Obviously, for a good reason, there is a there is an area. There is a lot of money on on the stake. So there was a fight of fourteen years, and now it has finally come to an end. So that actually happened a couple of weeks ago, or, um, or maybe even a few months. But now 
we are very, very, very close to actually that materializing into production. So all th we have uh, the final uh, part of the third stage, if you want to be very technical. So we are seeing uh, that starting very soon. And there was a, a lot of money on, on, on the stake there. So I think that is yet another very strong macro uh, econ economic indicator that that company could really uh, shoot up. So uh, the next thing is uh, in terms of financials, uh, let me just give you a couple of numbers. So the revenue increase year on year on the last uh, half yearly reading was 150% up. Net income, 690% up. Uh, and you could say, well, it had a great year-on-year uh, -year reading uh, this, uh, this half a year. Well, I could just read you the, the previous one. Mm -hmm. uh, revenue up 38%, net income up 160%. I mean... So it's second year in a row that it's done really Second well. half year in a row that they're doing really, really exceptional. Uh, so yeah, they had a, a bit of a retraction, but the signs are very positive at the moment. So also, if we're looking at uh, institutional brokers, the most recent one was for Morgans, and that is uh, add position. So valuation is uh, pretty good and a positive upside there. And there are many others, Macquarie, Cities, uh, Credit uh, Suisse. Overall, they're uh, saying buy this stock. So very positive looking there. And now let's finally look to the technicals, which I also think looking very promising for this uh, company. So firstly, if we really look at the broad, broad trend, this stock is going up, steadily up and up. So uh, certainly it's well above the 200 moving average. And, uh, and we, if, we are, if we are looking at the last couple of weeks or so, it did retract, but, uh, but the downtrend, that really reversed uh, the last couple of days. So we are seeing a couple of very strong green candles. And, um, and I think that is a very positive indicator. So we also are seeing a positive stochastic, and we're also seeing a very, very nice converging MACD. Uh, so overall, on technicals, this is also a very excellent buy. So overall, great buy. Oh, very good. So New Hope Corporation, Corporation. right? Yeah. And we're hoping it's going to make a new all-time high. See what it's done there? Very, very nice. <laughs> All right. I like that one there. Dr. Adam Shedekovsky, let's go over to Ever Slick, Mr. Dennis Sehenovic. What are you looking at this week and why do you like it so much for the week to come? Yeah, so in that lithium space, obviously, obviously lithium stock's doing exceptionally well uh, year to date. Uh, and also a tantalum producer, and namely... Uh, Pilbara Minerals Limited, the tick code is PLS. Uh, their main project is in the Pilgangura Lithium and Tantalum project, which is located about 120 kilometres uh, from Port Hedland in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Now, the reason why I like them, firstly, broker calls all very positive, uh, three of them coming out today, in fact. Uh, with Macquarie, four, I think I think they had four today actually. Yeah, the last time I checked. Yeah, yeah, they have four in total. Three of them came out today. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, so the first one was Macquarie with an outperform recommendation with a target price of four dollars. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe they closed at about two dollars and eighty three cents today. So that's a lot of upside there. Uh, about forty. Yeah, about forty. Percent? Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Audmanet as well with a buy rating of a target price of four dollars and twenty five cents, and also Credit Suisse. Uh, with an outperform rating as well with $3.70 price target. So all very bullish in terms of broker calls. And also technically on a technical basis, if we can see on the chart, obviously solid upward trend. Took a bit of a dip in recent weeks, but it's used the support levels very well, bouncing above its 200-day exponential and simple moving averages. And in terms of momentum as well, we can see the MACD is looking to cross positive and also the stochastic come out coming out of oversold. So it ticks all the boxes there, and I like it technically. And what's the, roughly what's the average broker upside? Because I was looking at it today, and there's something like 30 or 40%. I know one of the brokers said yeah. 56% upside on this business. Yeah, exactly. That right. I think that's right. About 30, 40% would be... Uh, yeah, well, it's one of those remarkable companies where 
they keep getting put higher. You know, a lot of the companies they catch up because I remember it was calls. two bucks. I remember it was mm. like, t- well, I mean, well, it is close to two dollars, but I remember when it was. It's a, it was always a cheap business. I mean, cheap share price. Exactly, yeah. and they just keep getting upgraded. And Pilbara is in one of the leading iron producers not only australia but the rest of the world and they're looking to be one of the top producers not only now but into the next decades so i mean that's their future plan and as i said i think the supply demand dynamics for lithium are just going to continually benefit mm. pillbar as long as they can stay ahead of the curve and continually meet the production that the world needs can, can i ask you a question i suppose i'm just jumping completely around this if i could di- diverge the conversation very slightly and then we'll get to mr mossman Elon Musk has gone out and brought Twitter, which has got absolutely nothing to do with his cars or anything to do with that. But he has also come out and said very publicly that the reason that his, uh, the danger with his stock is, is going to be whether they can get enough lithium. Would it not make more sense for him to go and buy a lithium miner such as Pilbara? Now, I'm assuming the market cap for Pilbara is... Probably about four billion, maybe. It's eight billion, afford, yeah. so he could buy it about five or six times. Yeah, over. so it's <laughs> not. Change for him, yeah, it's not. Uh, yeah, it's not huge. Yeah, you know, eight or six times with that. I mean, do we not think that's slightly strange, or do you think that's just? Uh, I mean, he could have bought Woolworths, Coles, West still Farmers, had chains, Kogan, yeah. five times over, and he'd still have pocket change. So yeah, look, I agree. I think it was. I think there was. Only, I think I looked it up. I think there's only about four or five businesses on our exchange which he couldn't have bought with the with the funds that he did with Twitter. Mm, exactly. So and they're yeah. like BHP and stuff. So, so interesting purchase. But yeah, it does make sense. Maybe you know jumping into this into those spaces, and that could really benefit Tesla. Him owning. All the components. Because I would have just, and I mean, if, if Mr. Musk's watching this, then I'm more than happy to come on as a consultant. But I would have thought a logical thing would have been to do is just mine the lithium yourself, sell it to the Tesla, your Tesla cars nice and cheap, and then sell it to all the other electric car manufacturers at a, a premium price. Seems quite logical to me. But hey, well, I, I think <laughs> I think uh, potentially the reason could be that if he's buying a, com- a company outright, I think he wants to get involved in one way or another. And maybe lithium, it's not. He's well, not he really is like now. he is the only person now. Well, <laughs> how how do we how do we it's take like a he's shuffle? Driving, and, it's not like right. he's driving a digger, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Exactly right. Well, so that, yeah, I think he can definitely pull the strings more at Twitter, and he doesn't probably doesn't know much about mining. Yeah, anything, hey, so. that's that's a fair. And the, to be all fairness, he uh, I think I've one, I think it might have been Billy Cam who pointed out to us that um, he made a lot of his money. Actually, I think it might have been uh, Perry said that he made a lot of his money off off Twitter because he tweeted something and, and stocks or, or Bitcoin or Doge Dogecoin all yeah. went up. So he says that he made a lot of his money can mm. be attributed to to Twitter what he wants now yeah absolutely anyway completely digress we're going to go over now to the final pick i suppose again this is one that a lot of people have been sort of baited breath to see what mr mossman is going to pick next okay and it's a business which doesn't need that much of an introduction i'm sure we can all ascertain what it does just by the name what are you looking at mr mossman this week and why do you like it so much for the week to well, come? once again we're following mr musking we're going to electric vehicles and batteries so we're going to go to the core component of the battery, which is lithium, and I'm looking at core lithium. So there's my pun as well. So core lithium is. So you're ASX. just jumping in on my puns. Like <laughs> yeah, I have one, I have one job to do on this show, and that's pick up good puns. <laughs> and and you just okay, cool. I'm going to steal them from you every week, so you have to go to your number two. So okay. you need two every week now. So CXO is a lithium producer, and mind you, they haven't produced a lot of lithium yet. So they're not making revenue at the moment, and not posting any profits. But now, at the core of their the core of their business is all about the anticipation uh, for lithium. I right? think I already stole it, man. Unfortunately. <laughs> But the re- main reason I do like the company is based on obviously the macro macros of lithium, but they can still benefit from those macros because the supply demand dynamic, which would have a lot of shortfalls moving into the future because investment in mines is not yet there, 
when they do become profitable and when they do start mining, they're going to still be at the forefront in a period where the supply-demand dynamics line up. But as I said, looking to the charts is where I do like the most. They've maintained a very, very solid uptrend. They're up 2.9% just on the market today, up almost 5% this week. And over the last 12 months, they're up over 400%. Now, they've recently take, uh, taken a slight dip from their from their recent highs, uh, and that's been a, a dip of about 15 20%. So there's still a lot of upside if they can continue that momentum. We've also got continually broker upgrades for companies like Pilbara mm-hmm. Minerals. Mm-hmm. A lot of that's off the back of the lithium price. They are a great company, but these major institutions seeing lithium go higher, and I think the entire space can benefit if Pilbara, say, had a great day, up 5 or 6%, you can see Core Lithium do 10 or 12. Very mm. good. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. We've got Pilbara Minerals, we've got uh, NHC, and, of course, we've got Core Lithium. Thank you very much, investors. Okay, thank you very much for tuning in this week. On behalf of everyone here at the show, we want to wish our clients, friends, and family a safe and happy weekend, and we will see you next week. My name has been Will Brownlee, and this has been The Cosec Show.